Hey, it's Glenn Scrivener from Speak Life. We're doing Reading Between the Lines, and today's phrase is how the mighty have fallen. Surely you've heard that phrase, how the mighty have fallen. Um, have you ever had people sort of come to you with, you know, the latest headlines that they've just read in the newspaper, and they say, have you seen the news? There's flooding, there's earthquakes, there's wars, there's famines. I think, you know, if we don't watch ourselves, the world is going to fall apart. Or people will say, you know, I fear that we will soon pass the point of no return. Or some people say to me, we must be very near the end now. Uh, These are statements I hear pretty regularly about the state of affairs in the world. The trouble is that they are all far too optimistic. And they're tragically out of date. According to the Bible, the world has fallen apart. We have passed the point of no return. And the end was right at the beginning. You see, we live in a world that's been made and loved by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a good world to which this God of love is deeply committed, but it's also a world that is catastrophically out of alignment with its maker. You know, Adam was placed as the head of this world, and when Adam was at peace with the Lord, all was right with the world. But when that peace was shattered, all hell broke loose. When sin entered in, first came shame, and then fear, and then hiding, and then blame, and then the Lord curses relationships, and then family, and then work, and even the physical world is cursed. Death infects the planet, dust you are, and to dust you return, and humanity is thrust out of God's presence, and there's no way back. You could not imagine a more drastic before and after for Adam and Eve to cope with. I can't even get my head around the psychological and spiritual trauma that's involved in being ejected from paradise like this. How the mighty have fallen. Uh, That was a phrase that was coined uh, when Israel's first king, Saul, died in battle. How the mighty have fallen. Saul was Israel's first king and he was meant to be a foretaste of the true king, Christ. He was meant to be a righteous ruler who brought peace, but instead he proved to be an unrighteous ruler who died in war. How the mighty have fallen. The phrase applies so well to Adam. Again, Adam was meant to be a foretaste of his Lord Jesus. He's the first king of the world. And and he's like this pencil sketch of Jesus. Jesus is the oil painting. Adam's the pencil sketch. But, But pride came before his fall. And then the chaos and darkness that we see is the result. How the mighty have fallen. But I wonder if we truly appreciate the heights from which we've fallen or the depths in which we find ourselves. Even, even the term, the fall, could sound a little bit trifling, as, as though we've just taken a little bit of a detour, but we're roughly in the same ballpark as we were before. Actually, the Bible doesn't really talk in terms of the fall. Um, far more often it uses the language of death. In the garden, we had life, and now all we've inherited from Adam is death. You know, there couldn't be a greater contrast, really. Our world is not just a little bit off kilter, it's, and it's not just heading towards calamity, right? You know, calamity has struck. Only a savior from beyond could possibly remedy this situation. Only a new Adam, a new king ruling in righteousness. Only that could restore the cosmos. That's our one hope. Not cosmetic improvements, not a smoother running world system. We are too far gone for that. But how often, you know, we think about, we hope about, we pray about just keeping the old show on the road. 
And how often we get nostalgic for the green salad days in the past, and we, be we bemoan how only recently things have started to fall apart. But, you know, God wants to redirect our gaze. Look, we shouldn't keep looking backwards to some golden age that we want to return to. We thought about this with the cherubim. The cherubim have blocked off that path of nostalgia backwards. There's no way that we can climb out of this pit and become mighty ones that rise up again. But thankfully, Christ, the Mighty One, He has, if not fallen into the, into the pit, He's jumped into the pit to save us. He is our hope and He calls us forwards, not to recapture the former glories, but to press on into His new future. Philippians 3 verse 13 says, Forgetting what is behind and pressing on to what is ahead. That's where real life comes. In Star Wars, episode 7, the latest one, uh, the hero, Rey, lives alone as a slave on a planet where, I mean, she longs for her parents to return. She longs for this idyllic past when she was growing up, but deep down she knows that her parents will never return. She's never getting paradise back. It's all futile. But nonetheless, she's kind of trapped in this nostalgia for the old life, hoping that somehow she can get back to a former glory. Wise old Maz in the film, she, she knows better though. Maz says to Ray, the belonging you seek is not behind, it is ahead. Those are wise words for us today. Maybe we feel the fallenness of our situation very keenly and we're praying for God to fix up something from this old life. Or maybe we are nostalgic for the old, you know, the better days, the green salad days in the past. You know what? God doesn't want that for you. The Mighty One has jumped down into this pit and He raises us up and moves us forward. Jesus has forged our true hope and it's not about getting back to the past. It's about hiding with Him through death and out, out the other side into, into the future. That's where we're headed. As Maz said, and she was right, the belonging you seek is not behind, it is ahead. Mm -hmm.